The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Here had a birthday last year. <laughs> Good. So we all are aging. Um, we had some homework uh, to do or to think about, and um, I'd like to find out how you, what was last week like for you guys. What was last week like for you guys? We had homework and some things to consider, some meditations, some chanting. Could you expand on that? How was it relevant you to you? Want to give her a microphone? You can make that nice comment again if you want. <laughs> we love flattery. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So I found it. I found the homework very, very relevant, very interesting. And so I used it as my meditation every morning, the thoughts on that, as well as the frequent recollection that you asked us to do. But I think the, the greater um, the relevancy for me is the fact that friends of mine, very close friends of mine, have just died last week. And it, we're all going to be there. And being cognizant, truly aware of what is important in my life, how I want to spend my next however many years, months, whatever, is extremely relevant and very, very important. So I kind of did a mapping of what I wanted my life to look like from this point to the point that I die. Other people? Um, Could you say your name so other people get to know people? Oh, my name's Adelaide. Um, I think the homework was working on me even though I wasn't working on it. Uh, because uh, I had a uh, kind of a upper respiratory tract infection. So I was actually experiencing illness. And, um, and then... Uh, a lady I know from the street who knows that I love her dog but who I otherwise never see elsewhere knocked on my door and said, I'm putting my dog down tomorrow and I know you love the dog and would you like to say goodbye? So I'm sitting here beginning by thinking about how, gosh, I didn't really do much homework, although I did some of the readings, but I thought, no worries this process continues and unfolds even without my attention <laughs> in some ways. So I gave mindful attention to these two moments, to illness and to the passing of a very cherished uh, sentient being and the grief it will cause. And um, I found that very useful to bring into play. My name is Diana. 
I found myself writing in my journal, and uh, I haven't done journaling for a while. So um, I addressed a couple of the issues. One is, what is an elder versus what is elderly? And um, I think I'm aware of the people around me that are close to me are really elders. Yes. Um, I feel very fortunate to have people around me that are on the path of um, You have to hold it like I this. I think it's working. That have done a good deal of spiritual and uh, internal work on themselves and um, I feel I'm in that category and I uh, look forward really to this process as I get along, further along. What came up for me of course is the fear not of dying but of the process of dying and the pain that I see people experience and my hope is that that can be managed and that I will be uh, conscious as I go through that process and have people around that can help me with it. Um, another a part of the assignment was kind actions that I'm aware of in the course of the week. And I was surprised at how many little things came up in terms of interactions with people or things I did for myself that were kindly. And I wrote several pages. It was just sort of good feedback to myself. So, you know, in addition, I read over the five subjects. Um, didn't get to the book readings, but uh, I think something started moving. So, thank you. Good. Other people? In the back over... Um, Just sharing where we're at with this and what we may have ex experienced during the week with the homework. Um, my name is Fiona. And... Um, uh, I found the chant, that's what I, you know, that was uh, both inspiring and sobering. And I would do that um, during the week. I, at the reading, um, I started. Uh, it was interesting for me um, to come across uh, teachings on rebirth. Because I just was uh, thinking, oh, well, okay. <laughs> just because I... Um, sort of this life, this, I'm not sort of banking on rebirth. Um, so it was interesting to come across, you know, how to have a, how to have a good death so you have a good rebirth. Um, it, it was, so that was interesting, sort of just to go through the different um, teachings on uh, why prepare for a good death. Um, and interestingly enough, similarly, um, I got a call from uh, Right after this class, I got a call from a woman I've known since I was four, and very little contact with her, and she called me and said, you know, my father has died, my husband had a stroke, um, you know, all these things, just one after another, and, um, and I too have gone through that, so it was interesting to just have this message 
right there and very touched that she chose to call and, and uh, share and talk with me about this. So. Thank you. Um, there was a question that someone else asked uh, about aging. And they asked, well, what is normal aging versus something pathological? Uh, I.e., uh, if it's pathological, perhaps there's a remedy for it. Um, well, uh, body parts wear out. Anybody here with a metal hip or a knee or something like that? Brand new. Two and a half months. So it's almost not almost an anniversary. <laughs> um, well, wearing out of joints and bones is a natural process. It varies from person to person, but it's uh, not a surprise. Um, how many people find that their memory? is slowing down. Uh, that's not a surprise either. And that can be quite normal. I think when people forget a word, and by the way, we forget nouns, not verbs or adjectives. When you, when you can't find a word, check that out. Um, and that uh, age-related uh, memory change is considered normal. Uh, perhaps normal is defined as doctors can't figure out what to do about it. <laughs> but um, it certainly is common enough. Uh, most people, however, when they forget a word, start thinking, oh my God, I'm the first stages of dementia. Uh, but that would be an interesting practice, wouldn't it? To think about if you had dementia and each of these little tiny, tiny whispers or reminders, but maybe we'll get to that uh, next time when we consider illness. Um, how many people have noticed that their sense of taste or smell has diminished? That's another uh, common thing. Uh, how many people uh, slow down in their movements? Uh, do you slow down your leg movements? as much as you do your hand movements? Or are the legs more likely to, to go slower? We walk slower. So different body parts will slow down at different um, times. And that can be quite, uh, quite normal. Do you have um, hearing assist? Young lady who just walked in. Are, are you in a place where you can hear easily? Okay, good. Some of the things that can be normal aging that are um, less taken as ordinary. How about um, needing help? How many people find that they need more help? Uh, it can be as simple as needing a little tool to open a jar. Uh, by the way, did you know that seniors are the largest carriers of AIDS? 
hearing aids, visual aids, walking aids. Um, but, you know, some of these aids we don't always welcome as much. Uh, how many people have decreased their driving at night? Uh, that is a normal phenomenon. If you see shimmering lights when you look at a, a street light, that's probably a cataract which would be considered something that can be treated. Um, how many people find that the number of people that have been close, like geographically close friends, has changed? by death or by moving away. That is not true in every culture, but it is true in our culture. Uh, Multi-generational families are rare, particularly in California, at least in the Northern European-based folks. In one place. More in, in one place. In one place, yeah. Um, So, where are you going to where are you going to get old? At home? Someplace else? That's a, that becomes a very practical matter. We will put this. By the way, most of the things we're saying will be on our website. Sequoiavillages.org is a, a publicly originated living at home resource. We just learned about that from one of the participants last night and it uh, is fabulous. I would strongly suggest people check that out because it will have answers that we found that we did not have. Sequoiavillage.org No space, lowercase. Uh, next question, who's going to be there when you need them? I'm incredibly fortunate. My daughter and her husband-to-be are both nurse practitioners. Uh, my uh, daughter-in-law is a physician, a foreign uh, licensed. So I have the unbelievably good fortune of having family who will be there that I know and they they want to do that. Uh, you have a community for you to be there for you. The monastic community, the Buddha said we should take care of each other, family. So in terms of setting priorities, I didn't put that specifically, um, but that's a good tip. As we age, there's so many things we have to think about and consider and do about that it could just seem like it's piling on. We must set priorities based upon what needs to happen right now versus what will happen in a year uh, 10 years 
recognize him, of course, we don't know if we're going to get in an auto accident on the way home today and wind up in the hospital and need rehabilitation. So you're in a rehab or nursing home. So there are things that can appear without warning. So setting priorities is an exercise, but it may not always be good. Um, what about one of the hardest parts of aging, which is regrets about how you've lived? I mean, regrets come in two varieties as I see it. There's the regret about the things we did that we feel were unskillful, and the regrets about the things we didn't do. And it's it's important now to really take a look at those things and recognize it's in the past. There are things that can't be changed. And that it's okay. A lot of the things that we think back on that we regret, we've forgotten the surrounding circumstances that brought us to that point. And it's very important to really take time to practice self-compassion and self-forgiveness so that we can recognize that we're all learning here. We've learned from those things. In terms of the things that we didn't do, of course, if we think about the people in our life that we haven't said the things to that we, we want to say before we don't have a chance, reflecting on that and going for it, saying what you want to say. Steve, you want to grab a microphone and share the story you have with that? Is this on? Okay. So I'm going to start this by telling a little story, and it'll drive home the point. There was stories told of a man who was at his wife's funeral and it was a Jewish funeral and he was standing over the grave usually in Judaism the family members take turns shoveling in the dirt into the grave to, so it really gets through with the person's really died and he was standing over the grave and he said you know I really love my wife and it was getting late and the rabbi says you know we have to go he says but I really really love my wife he says I know but we have to go he says no I really loved her no, we understand that. Says, but you don't understand, I never told her that when she was alive. Now, you know, a lot of this course we're talking about, you know, us dying as individuals, but over the years, uh, a lot of our friends and loved ones are going to die. And the thing is, once they die, anything you want to say to them, either apologizing for anything you did for them, or even positive things, you won't be able to... to um, do. I mean, many of you know my wife who died in 2011, um, and she had medical issues all through our marriage, so we always knew that she could die. So that was a position I never let myself get into. So that was one regret I never had after she died. We always, we always said that. But you never know. I mean, I know people who, you know, died in automobile accidents, got hit by cars while riding. Uh, their bicycles, you never know, and so you should you know, tell how people how you feel so you never have that regret. That's my one advice for this course. 
Uh, as you know, I'm a retired oncologist, uh, and I volunteer at uh, El Camino Hospital. And what I see in the intensive care unit are families clutching at their father, mother, brother, sister, spouse. That person is on life support, and they've had strokes, they're demented, they have kidney failure, they've had heart attacks, and this is not a person who is going to survive except with some machine breathing for them. The family cannot let go because they have not reached the point where they have made sure that that parent, spouse, sib knows that they love them. So to whatever extent we can be open to other people and receive their love, acknowledging it, we do a great service to them and a great to service to ourselves if you don't want to be hooked up on life support for months. And it, it's, a really, it's a really useful practice. We just recommended that we think about dying every day and every moment with every breath. At least in terms of who you interact with, what if I don't see them again? I know one woman who's in business and she said, she always leaves every interaction in a way that it's fine if I, you know, like what if I never see this person again? Leave it in a good way. And so it's, it's, a, it's a practice. You know, it's, it's hard when people come to me with their grief. It's very hard when those last words were said in anger or irritation. And we all get irritated, but can we pause and end that conversation in a way that we could leave it and it would be okay? Just a thought. I know that there have been times when I've caught myself having left a conversation incompletely and I will then go back to that person, either walk back to them or call them and say, I don't, you know, that wasn't the way that I wanted to um, leave with you. Uh, I want you to know that I'm da-da-da-da. So you do get second chances some of the time, not all the time. And even if someone's passed away and you haven't had that chance, I really think we should consider that consciousness goes beyond these boundaries of space and time. And the way we orient our heart makes a difference. So in the heart coming to peace, in the heart wishing them well, um, that makes a difference too. And all of this needs a big dose of self-compassion and forgiveness so that we don't carry guilt. It doesn't not only does it not help, it doesn't, it doesn't fulfill. So the main approach in the Dharma is to acknowledge and to forgive and to learn. You had a question. Could you have a microphone? Um, when someone uh, has died or in my case, someone I can't reconcile with because they won't allow it, to write a letter, and I'm going to do that. And then you can to think write a letter about to that person and tell them whatever it is that you 
want to tell them, and I think that will help the heart. And you can decide whether or not you want to send that letter and think about whether that letter is really for them or for you. If it's not going to help them, if it's going to bring things up that are going to cause more trouble, write the letter and set it aside and work with your own mind, your own heart, and the way that's needed for your peace and, and completeness. Being honest, being clear, and then think about what would be better for them. The other elements of right speech are, is it useful? Is it timely? Is it true? Is it kind? Is it gentle? But if you're writing a letter, um, you, you could let it just be whatever. Um, if you're going to send it, I think, yes, you need to decide those That's things. Right. But I wouldn't let that get in the way of sh sharing whatever thoughts and feelings I had and get them out. It's very important with regard to forgiveness to reflect upon what's really been skillful and unskillful, whether something's been abusive. It's the clarity and the wisdom about what actually happened and what actually is the case that helps us to be able to forgive. It's not about sweeping it under the rug or pretending it wasn't a problem if it was a problem. So that's another thing that's important. It's the wisdom and the discernment. If you know that something that you've been treated harshly, unfairly, you know, whatever, abusively, you can just know that the way it is and still forgive so that it lightens your own heart. It releases us. It's a freedom. And that compassion, again, they're learning too, hopefully. Um, so I just want to make a comment on um, living with the idea of, of that you may not see someone again. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I've had to apply wisdom to that in my life because my father died suddenly when I was young. So I've lived with the fear that people will disappear that way. So um, I've had to train myself to believe that people in general will go on. And that's exactly what the Buddha recommended that we do, so that we are prepared. Um, most people are not prepared, but we can be. And it doesn't have to be grim. It can actually be quite freeing. Did you have a comment that you wanted to make in the back? In terms of writing letters, I know within my particular family, um, we were never raised expressing, showing love, saying we, I love you, and so forth. And um, I, at one point, had done an intensive workshop that covered um, feelings about parents and letting go of anger and so forth and then we had an assignment to write a letter to each parent after you know having let go of um, a lot of uh, that ang anger or 
whatever. Um, and I held on to those letters for a while, but then one day I decided to be brave and just mail it, and my parents were living overseas at the time, so um, I knew we wouldn't be having really a conversation about these letters soon. But um, then my father ended up um, getting sick at age 60 and dying quite suddenly. And I felt very grateful that I had just gone ahead and mailed the letters. And I feel like it said things that we never had the training within our family because my parents had never been had that training either. So. Okay. Uh, in hospice uh, work, there's a nice list of five things. Would you just would you there, talk, sorry? Would in, you in, mention what you do for a living? Oh no, it's, I'm I'm a hospice volunteer, and. Uh, but in hospice work, there's a wonderful work that I first learned about with a woman who was doing this in the Veterans Administration. People who were really, they had a lot of struggles and things to let go, maybe because of tra trauma that they'd been through. And they say there's five things that you need to say, which is thank you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, I forgive you, and I love you. And... <clears throat> As you were talking about this, I was thinking, I've done this with one person, I'm sure 20 years ago. Um, I sent a, like an I love you and a thank you to a man I knew starting when I was six years old to let him know he'd had this big impact in my life. To this day, the happiness is, I don't know, it's off the charts about that. It made, I was very happy. So um, it struck me in thinking about the preparatory element to this, that it's not even that you have to start with the hard stuff. You could start with a thank you or an I love you as a way to ease into the practice. So I'm, I'm um, pondering that for myself now as maybe a, a way to begin with the preparation. And um, so I wanted to share that thought. You might think about, is there anyone that you would feel uncomfortable meeting on the street? Just a thought. How can you resolve that for yourself so that there's no problem? Or even more difficult, anyone that you would have some issues with when you meet them looking in the mirror. I think those letters of, I forgive you, I love you, you matter to me, uh, are less expressed. The golden rule, treat your neighbor as you would treat yourself. None of us, at least in my experience, are nearly as nice to ourselves as we are nice to other people. So those are some ideas on how to let go of some of the mental baggage. Okay. I just wanted to echo something quickly. Um, I was separated from my biological family, and my life has been, a, it's been kind of an act of letting go. 
Um, and I also do the Hawaiian prayer that has helped me very much to thank them, to forgive them, to tell them I love them. Um, and it gives me great comfort that I've been able to affect something, be an agent in my own with people that I cannot be present with. And at the time of my death, that is something that I've practiced letting go. So, thank you. I like the whole very much. Um, are there any good news about getting old? We will take nominations from the floor. <laughs> the good news about getting old is? Well, you know, it's, it's a time to really um, reconcile old differences with siblings. That has been a really, really good thing in my life. And, uh, I, you know, it was a long... You know, we didn't like each other, period. And, and now we're just like, you know, we communicate several times a day. And, and we're really, really different. I mean, you know, as far as our lifestyle, what we think, our spiritual path, everything is so different. It's hard to believe that we are this close, but it's a matter of um, being able to accept that, you know, it fills her need, it works for her, and I don't know how she feels about me, but she obviously accepts whatever I'm doing, so that, that is a really good thing about getting old, is that you, I have been able to really um, reconcile with, with siblings, a sibling, the one she's still alive, um, and also to reconcile and let go of old angers and things of, of those siblings I used to be afraid of and, you know, all that stuff. So I don't know that I could have done this at a younger age. So there's been an acknowledgement and acceptance of my decreasing abilities, as you mentioned. Um, and also um, much more um, uh, allowing people around me to be who they are without my having to make intercessions, judgments, comments, etc. Actually, aging has been a blessing. Um, I think it's pretty wonderful that I'm still here because... Um, you know, my parents had both died younger than I am. And, um, you know, I have all these wonderful people in my life, grandchildren. So I'm just very grateful to be here. In the back. Um, I feel grateful for letting go of a lot of stuff that used to be important to me like uh, my hair. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> uh, and um, just not caring about what other people think of me. There's a little slogan that I like. It's what, um, what you think of me 
is none of my business. And um, it, I really am living like that now. And I, I couldn't before. Oh my goodness, I was so tied to what I thought, you know, the fantasy that I had, that uh, what other people might think of me. So that's quite a relief. I find myself enjoying a simpler life and not needing a lot of things that I thought I needed before. Also, I, uh, I find it very sweet that so many times people will rush in to help me. At first, I found that difficult, and I even resented it. But now that I have opened to it, it's just wonderful. And there are so many kind people that just rush in to help. One of the things that uh, I'm post or we're posting on our website is some, uh, I'll call it research that I've done. Eric Erickson is a psychiatrist who wrote the stages of life and it goes from infancy on up. He speaks of the old, old age. And he wrote this when he was in his 90s. And in old, old age, the characteristic is what he calls gerotranscendence. And listening to you describe what you're doing is like a checklist of all of the things that we are gifted with as we get older. Not only can we tell if something's bullshit, we don't put up with it. And um, I remember when I retired, and first time I slept in, I started chuckling. Why am I going back to bed? Because I can. And that is a gift also, to recognize we can do so many things just because we can, and there's nobody around who we'll put up with who will tell us we can't. Meditate on that. <laughs> and of course, from the perspective of aging as a heavenly messenger, we are face to face with impermanence and dukkha, suffering, and the changing of the self, knowing that this is not permanent. This is changing all the time. We put the serenity prayer up here just because it's so so applicable accepting accepting these natural changes accepting what feels like unnatural changes um, looking into what we can do to improve what's what's happening <laughs> it's okay <laughs> and and increasing our wisdom and discernment i also wanted to revisit the practices that i put up last week to really remind ourselves that these are the things to practice on a daily, weekly basis. And we're going to have a, a short meditation now um, focused on forgiveness. But um, forgiveness, loving kindness, compassion, particularly self-compassion, since we don't tend to practice that so much, as Bill said, 
letting go as we've talked about. And of course, the kinds of meditation that we practice on a regular basis as part of a meditative community, developing serenity and insight. And then I would like to encourage everyone to either pick up the practice or continue with writing those acts of of kindness and goodness down that we are doing in a journal. And finally, developing faith. So that faith that there is awakening, that there is freedom from suffering, and moving steadily in that direction. So if you could find a comfortable sitting position, settle into your body however old it feels at the moment taking a few long breaths to really arrive in this body setting aside everything that has come before this moment and anything that we anticipate coming after setting those things aside to be right here in this present moment Every one of us has done things that have hurt others. We've said things or taken action that has been harmful to others. And we, right now, can forgive ourselves for that. With that intention, I forgive myself say it in your mind I forgive myself we're all learning we can have the spaciousness and the generosity of heart to allow for those actions of the past to be forgiven So for anything that comes to mind, also invite that sense that you forgive yourself for that harm done to others.
are some things we may need to visit again and again, but that's all right to be willing to be present with the way it is, to continue to urge the heart in the direction of compassion and forgiveness, that we actually can clear the slate. We've also all done things that are harmful to ourselves. And if any of those things come to mind, just bring the heart, invite the heart to come to the place of forgiving oneself. I forgive myself for this neglect or harsh treatment of myself. There are always many circumstances surrounding these experiences that we've actually forgotten the details about. Can we bring some generosity to that? forgive there are those things that others have done to us that have harmed us, that have hurt us. And being clear about what was skillful and what was unskillful. Being clear that we can do what we can to stay out of the way, out of the path of those, that kind of treatment. Can we bring to our mind forgiveness for those actions. I forgive you.
can use wise attention to know when thinking about something from the past is useful and helps it to clear and when thinking about it drives it in more deeply to use discernment to know when we should turn the mind away bring in loving kindness and compassion and forgiveness in order to free the heart in order to bring peace to let go to be free come to the point in the program where we'll divide into our small groups, discuss what we've learned and what's coming up for us. Um, we'll have a few questions on the screen in a minute to, to offer some suggestions for that discussion. But first, we wanted to remind everyone of the ground rules. Confidentiality, so whatever people say in the small group, don't even bring it up to them later unless they want to talk about it and definitely don't share it anywhere else being mindful of the time so that every person has a chance to share um, equally to um, get enlightened oneself but to not try to enlighten others and we really want to encourage people to show up show up every week physically but show up with your with your listening and your open heart does everybody here have a group or are some people coming in for the first time i think we have at least one you're you're, you're going like this i'm going to take that as affirmative what was your group like what was it like for you you let's get a microphone there's one over there on the floor. So, so I'm Michelle, and again, it's it's nice. It's on. again, it's it's nice to hear other people's perspectives. Mm-hmm. 
and how they interpret similar readings. I just learn so much from perspectives of the group. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. Coming through. Okay. That one's not quite loud enough, I guess. Were you scratching your head or raising your hand? <laughs> Is there anything you'd like to share about what you're hearing or any questions or concerns or fears or insights? No, uh, after after we break, I'd love for you to take a look at the shrine and you will take your things back with you from the shrine. And we've already took some photos. We'll be posting them on the website. Oh, we can take more photos. If you haven't put, if you've got things to add to the shrine, please go ahead and add them. And then uh, we'll, we'll take some more photos and collect your things before you leave. And then the, there will be a new assignment for next week's shrine. <laughs> One of the things that came up in our group is, is as we start to discuss fears, is that sometimes we always think of fear as being unrealistic. But as you age, sometimes, you know, fears are based on some experience and that they may be an accurate assessment of the situation and a choice that you are unwilling to make anymore. You know, it's kind of that has a risk and that doesn't seem attractive. <laughs> so it was a... When you're a, talking about a, a risk you don't want to take anymore or something that seems unattractive, what do you... Do you have an example in mind? Well, uh, friends went skiing this uh-huh. weekend. And... Um, I had an injury to my knees, you know, that was took long enough to heal that I realized, well, this might never go back, you know, mm-hmm. to the way it was before. This may never go back. Mm-hmm. And like, well, skiing sounds like fun, but, mm, you know, I could do cross-country, definitely not downhill anymore. Um, so that aspect of the fear of injury that may be more permanent yes. than I'm willing to accept. In another group, uh, people define fear in a couple of uh, interesting ways. One is as a warning light. And the other one is a tool of investigation. And what you described seems like both. And so the, that is a, a very constructive use of the sensation of, wait a minute. It's, it's a wait a minute fear rather than. Well, a couple of us in my group, talking about priorities as we age, decided that it's time for to have some fun. So, so I'm um, 
just started singing in a very small kind of, you know, like we sing things like California Dream. And I mean, it's nothing very fancy, but it is fun. And um, so that feels important. You know, the, the question came up um, amongst us about are there any kind of medical guidelines to knowing whether something that is happening for you, uh, a body sensation or whatever, is uh, a natural part of aging or pathological? And um, Ayas Antisica and I were talking about, well, how do you know this? And it's not simple. And I'm going to give you an unsatisfactory general answer and then try and drill down on a process that I use myself when something's going on. Uh, By the by, doctors get sick also. Um, and so I have I wear both sides of the stethoscope it takes insight it takes mindfulness of your interior process so let's say you have a, a stomach ache your mind goes through a differential diagnosis is this cancer? Is this cancer? Is this cancer? Oh, wait a minute. It could be indigestion. Um, so the mindfulness is that of what is the emotive or feeling component to the questioning? Is it dominated by fear? And then how can you open up the fear to see, as you described, skiing. And by the way, I do only um, snowshoeing. It's much slower and nobody's behind me moving fast. Um, you open it up and look at whether this is changing what your, your risk aversion setting is. You know, teenagers are not risk averse generally. A lot of people grow more so when the consequence of being wrong is greater. One of the natural things about aging is it takes longer to heal. So if rehab for a broken leg is three weeks, okay. But if it's three months, no. If the sensation that I'm having limits what I'm doing, so if I have a belly pain that absolutely stops me from doing anything, and it persists for many minutes, that 
brings the part of the decision matrix to is it important is the function that it stops important like being able to get out of pain if so does that mean that I have to face the fear of going to the doctor how many people do not have fear of going to the doctors really you must have fantastic doctors most people are a little concerned when they come to my office or when I was in practice it says you know I've got this headache is it a brain med um, and uh, I, I know that some people will not want to know what something is because they fear it's something awful and there's the, then the interrogation of the fear of is this something I am avoiding simply out of being afraid of something bad or is the fear accessing wisdom that says wait a minute this is not right learning to trust your own body's wisdom is absolutely a necessary skill many people do and many people do not trust their wisdom there are uh, what is known as body types we're mainly kinesthetic or uh, heart types which are mainly emotional uh, and then uh, this is the Enneagram and then uh, <coughs> mental types which are often fear-based uh, if you want to find out go read about it it's the Enneagram by uh, Helen Palmer but we do have processes that we can go through that uses all of our experience in service of wisdom the only way you'll learn that is to do it ehipasako see for yourself so I don't have any better ways of advising people you know I mean if you're vomiting blood that takes you know do something about that if it's the same headache you've had for many years okay I'm sorry there was questions back I didn't see that Uh, what I've noticed is um, the whole idea of cataracts and at night driving at night can be very limiting so I have to include how much I'm going to drive at night or if I'm going to drive at night or do I have cataracts and I can tell by I can't see I mean it's a con <coughs> It's, it's, it's very clear to me that I can't see well enough to drive at night. I'm, now I can see the clarity of that. I just can't see. So um, I, don't have, I don't have any questions about it because, because the information that I've gathered is giving me a message that I need to pay attention to.
other people, do you have other comments or questions or thoughts? What's really, are there things that are really troublesome about aging for you? Things that you're not sure how to handle? Well, <clears throat> this isn't about handling a particular thing, but recently I've realized that the serenity prayer is very useful for me in dealing with my health because I realize that there are things that I cannot change. And it does take serenity to be at peace with that. And then the courage to change the things I can uh, that means I might have to change my my behavior, my lifestyle, my diet. Um, I might have to do research and find out what's as much as I can what's going on. And the wisdom to know the difference. Um, I think I need some good uh, support from the medical community to increase my level of wisdom. But in the end, like you were saying, my intuition about my own body is the most important thing. But that's just an outline that I've been using. Maybe the medical body... system can give you information. They cannot give you wisdom. Right. And, and maybe your body and your priorities, as we were saying. You know, really trying to understand what's important at this point. Um, the serenity prayer is also really useful to me. Um, and my challenge is to um, implement the things that I know I can change, um, or the courage to change the things I can. And so I decided to do a couple things um, that I had been grumpy about and hadn't changed so this year so I made a dental appointment mind you I hadn't seen a dentist in a couple of years after having get, gotten um, miffed at three of them all for good reason mind you but um, <laughs> so I saw a dentist this week and um, there's a lot of work to be done but that's something I can change um, I also had a gym membership a couple of years ago, didn't go, so I thought, well, I'll just save the money and get fat and age. <laughs> so I was like, hmm. Um, that was not something... Uh, in, anyway, so I got myself a gym membership as well, and after here, I'll go there and work out a little bit. And I'm just, I'm really amazed at, uh, even after seven kind of minimal minimal things, minimal sessions at the gym, I feel a lot better and I'm like, well my body is really just just grasping at straws and I guess it is, you know. It's just it's so energized by the little bit that I'm willing to give it that that makes me grumpy again, you know, why can't I just worry myself fit? <laughs> you know, and as I figured that that Maybe that grumpiness is, is just, well, at least I'm 
I'm aware of it and I'm trying to change it. So, so anyway. not only can fear be a tool, but grumpy can be too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, how about sneezy? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's like if I think it should be one way, it should be one way. If I think it should be different, it should be different, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I just get stuck with the idea that something should be a way that it's not. Yeah. And then I'm not willing to participate with it at all. It's another definition for suffering. We want something to be different than it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Anyway, the serenity prayer, when implemented, um, yeah. um, is pretty helpful. Going to the gym seven times is an inadequate trial. Right. I'll make it eight today. <laughs> Add a ten to that. Okay. and see what happens uh, habits are changed in three weeks of consistent reconditioning three weeks three weeks do it every day for three weeks make that determination or yes I think every day is good don't you to yes. get that habit going and then you don't want to stop there's some emphasis there and, and habits can start with five minutes every day. Once you establish a consistent pattern, you can, it is easier to extend the time of that. And I think somebody in the back. Yeah, yeah um, I know we, we talked a lot about the physical body and I do a lot in terms of diet and exercise and so forth. But when I think of elders, um, what really comes up for me is um, the people that I have known in my life with um, great hearts, uh, great ability to love, forgive, um, pass on to others, and that is, you can be a quadriplegic and be in that state. So. For me, you know, one of um, my goals is to aim for that. Beautiful. Other thoughts from people we haven't heard from, perhaps. Some of you are kind of quiet today. Hi. I have not seen a doctor for many, many years, and I like to stay away from doctors. I think one of my... Um, quandary with the medical practice and this is just a personal opinion is that they seem to keep people alive I know people like uh, who had a pacemaker I have a very my best friend's mom has a pacemaker and she's in very good health and now she's over a hundred but she has no memory she's totally demented so I just want to know where you draw the line is to let the person die without doing all these kind of invasive procedures. And I think this is one of the reasons why I like to stay away from doctors, if I can. This is a very, very important question. And I don't know how many of you have seen or read the book, Being Mortal. If you haven't, I would really recommend it. And, and We yes. had a showing here of, of the, the video. <clears throat> yeah. The book goes into, you know, I like the book better than the movie, as usual. But it, if you haven't read it, the movie's great, too. 
but if you haven't read the book, I really recommend it. And this is such an important question. And this is something that, um, with, with Dr. Bill's help, we're going to be looking at what do we want to put in our advanced directives? What do we want our family to know about how much we want to have done and not have done under various circumstances? And to get the kind of expert guidance that he can give us about how to write that up, because a lot of times they're too vague. And then, you know, always the situation is something you hadn't thought of, oftentimes at least. And to really think in terms, like right now in this, in this reflection on aging, and this week you're going to reflect on sickness, but all the way through reflecting on you know, what really are my priorities, what, is, what, what matters to me in life, at what point would I choose, instead of to get the stent to open up this clogged blood vessel, to just say, I want to let it go. Where do you draw that line? And how do you draw it? And how do you know? You, there's a lot we can't anticipate. Maybe the memory's kind of going at the time the stent is going to happen, but maybe, you know, the next two years aren't going to be so fun, even if you can stay alive. I don't mean just fun, of course. I mean, it's like that question about what matters in our life and then what do these messengers say to us about our spiritual practice and can we practice and what are we going to gain from it? What, how does that fit in? Getting, really getting, coming face to face with the urgency that we're not going to be here forever. You're kind of getting to the part where we're talking about homework. You're getting to the part where we're talking Almost. about Almost. I think we have time for one more question or comment, though, before we go there. Anybody else? Yeah. Uh, one theme that has come up that I have been impressed by today is the um, positive aspects of aging blessings in aging I mean we, I, we've focused on uh, fears and, and anxieties and what could happen and what scenarios we project out into the future based on our conditions and, and our experience or whatever it is that's traumas that's, that's triggered those and um, but this the theme that has has kind of inspired me today is the um, benefits and and positive actions that we can take and um, and 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 I think there are, are many of those from a from a, a spiritual perspective certainly and um, from a medical perspective as well um, the this idea of uh, disastrous things that happen after you go to the doctor and the doctor prolonging your life and um, at all costs and, and those kinds of things and where we draw the line. Those issues, I think, occupy people's minds when it comes to aging, but um, the kind of practical steps that we can do to um, mitigate some of the suffering of aging um, from our own practice and from um, things that we can do that are that actually 
can reverse some of the aging effects are um, kind of ringing in my mind. So I just, that's all I just wanted to mention. That. So I think Steve's going to pass out the homework sheets for this week. There's a question at the top, when did you realize that illness and injury could happen to you? So this coming week, we're going to be looking at illness. And there will be a few things on the website also, uh, probably related to aging as well, that you can download. As the website is uh, down near the bottom. So we... Yes, it's a different homework sheet. Oh, did you pick one up already somewhere? Okay, if you picked one up already, great. So we would, we want to encourage you to really consider illness, and you may have had a serious illness that you would prefer to reflect on or write about, or maybe uh, follow these uh, this suggested direction around choosing a common disease each day. Um, cancer, stroke, pneumonia, heart attack, dementia, or Alzheimer's, and reflect and write, if you're so inclined to write, on how you would live with this if it happened to you, and then bring your reflections next week. So just choosing one ailment or disease each day and reflect on what that would be like. This is kind of a elaboration on some of the traditional practices of looking at the body, the body parts, and reflecting on how they can go wrong. <clears throat> There's a monk from Thailand that, um, that I've known who said that he went, you know, just like the idea of just going to the hospital and seeing how things go wrong with the body. And so this is, you know, just bring this into your imagination and see what might come up for you. And continue, please, chanting the five subjects for frequent recollection. The meditation, that's about half or three quarters of the way down the page, is reflection on letting go. So be sure to ground yourself in meditation and become quite still first. It's, it's a lot easier when you're in a bit of an altered state of, of consciousness, so you're very calm in the mind. And then really bring up a reflection on some aspect of your life, whether it's possessions or it's a role that you have or it's an ability that you have. And think about what it would be if you couldn't do that anymore or have that or be that. And really reflect on what that would be like for you. How do you let go? So the reflection on impermanence and the suffering that comes with being attached to things that will fall away is the traditional kind of approach. And in this way, just really make that personal. What could fall away and how would that be for you? There will be some readings on the website. I'm not exactly sure what it's going to be called, but you can take a look there after today. We're probably going to put it up later today. One of the suggested readings is the simile of the mountain from the Sangyuta Nikaya, if you haven't heard 
of that simile, or even if you have, you might want to review that one. And then next week, bring some images or objects of encouragement in illness for the shrine. Um, also, we've had a couple of questions for, from people who aren't able to attend one of the sessions, and they've asked, uh, what would it be like to come to the Tuesday night session, for example? And what we'd like to encourage that if you can't attend a session, then please listen online to the recording and then contact one of your small group members or one or more of your small group members who are willing to have a conversation about this process and um, reflections. And that would probably be the best way to catch up. We are hoping that your small groups are really giving you a, a, a area, a place of support. And it's really nice to have that consistency within your group. Yes. We haven't published it. Yeah, I think it would be really... How many people would like to see all of the names to go out to everybody? Or is there maybe the opposite question, is there anyone who would feel uncomfortable with that? Oh, we need to, we need to give Bill his computer. He has to go. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that what's better is to just talk to your small group members and share your contact information together. I, I'm not particularly in favor of everybody having everybody's name. I don't think we really need to do that here. So, yeah, no, we don't need to send anything out. So if that's okay, then just talk to each other about that and um, work out how you would catch up. 328, it's just about time to go. Yeah, 326 on this clock. So I think what might be useful... Oh, one more thing. Uh, Steve wanted to mention oh, uh, something. Two announcements. One, so on... The list where you gave your names and emails, if you can check that's all correct, uh, that's number one. Number two, a number of people have been asking me about giving donations, what to do, and notice we do things a little differently here. But if you feel inspired to give a donation to the Karuna Buddhist Vihara, the Vihara would be very grateful. And you can write out a check, you can either mail it to them, go to their website, or you can give it to me, or if you want to give me cash, and I'll make sure they get it. So did that make sense about checking your um, information that we took last time? There's a sign-up sheet. Just take a look. Make sure we got it correct, just so we can contact you if we need to. <clears throat> and if you're new, to add your name. Okay? The other thing, if you haven't gotten the book uh, Beyond Coping or the CD for Meta Monastery, there's copies over there. Feel free to take it. The CD was blank, or you couldn't do you, it. It wouldn't play in your player, maybe. <clears throat> you might. You need a CD player. Is it a CD player or an MP3? It's a CD player. It might be MP3 format. Your player might not play. Yeah, maybe MP3 format. 
So if you want to try it in your DVD player, it might work. The other thing is you can go to the Santa Forest Monastery website and you can download them all, the whole DVD. Go to um, other things and then talk. And it's on there. You can download it. So I have a regular CD player that I use for CDs. And it, and it, was just and it didn't play in that. How, how old is your CD player? It might... It, no, they hardly even make them anymore. <coughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. So some of them don't play MP3 format anymore. We should try that so disc. Could I put it in my laptop? Yes. Yeah, yeah would, try it in your laptop. Okay. It might work there. Yeah. Works, right? yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was thinking of chanting a blessing for you. Would you be up for that? I think we'll chant in English. Um, does everybody know what devas are? Yeah, good. <laughs> May you have every good blessing. May all the devas protect you by the power of all the Buddhas. May you ever be well. May you have every good blessing. May all the devas protect you by the power of all the Dhamma. May you ever be well. May you have every good blessing. May all the devas protect you by the power of all the Sangha. May you ever be well. Take good care of yourselves. Practice lots of self-forgiveness. 